Hi everyone, I'm Louise and I'm one of the ordinands here at St. Paul Shadwell. And today we're continuing our journey in the book of 1 Samuel. Last week, Nikki did a great job speaking to us about God calling Saul and Israel's first king and encouraging us to be bold. And this week, we're considering how God called David, arguably Israel's greatest Old Testament king. As we listen to the account from 1 Samuel chapter 15 and 16, I invite you to think about a time when God used an unexpected event or person to teach you about his character. Then Samuel went to Ramah, but Saul went up to his house at Gibeah of Saul. Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death, but Samuel grieved over Saul, and the Lord regretted he had made Saul king over Israel. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have selected a king for myself among his sons. But Samuel said, How can I go? When Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. You shall invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me the one whom I designate to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the city came trembling to meet him and said, Do you come in peace? He said, In peace, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. He also consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they entered, he looked at Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Next Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are these all the children? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, and behold, he is tending to the sheep. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ready with beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And Samuel arose and went to Ramah. So, were you able to recall a time when God provided for you from an unexpected source?
for me, it was an encounter that I had during the time that I was considering whether God was calling me to train for the priesthood. But more about that later. Let's consider the context of our Bible passage today. First, Samuel is an incredible character in the Old Testament. He was the last of the judges that God raised up to deliver his people from the hands of their enemies. It was usually because the people were constantly turning away from God and failing to listen to him. Samuel was the first of the prophets who heard God speaking clearly right from being a young boy until now, much later in his life. And Samuel was also made the priest for the whole nation because the ruling priestly family at that time had also shown a disregard and a deep disobedience towards God. And so God made his own choice. And as we shall see, this was all about to happen again. So here in 1 Samuel chapter 16, the people of God find themselves at a point of significant change. Although as a nation, they didn't know it yet. Because of his stubbornness and his failure to follow God's commands, and his fear of losing his popularity and support among the people, King Saul had repeatedly failed to do what God had told him. He'd made some terrible decisions and now God was about to make a change because God had rejected Saul as king. But only God Samuel and Saul knew that this had happened. And now God was sending his prophet Samuel to the family of Jesse, an inconsequential family in the very insignificant backwater town of Bethlehem. And there he would anoint a young, unknown shepherd boy as the new king of Israel. At the beginning of this chapter, we might think, great, we're going to see what David was like now. But this chapter is not as much about David as it is about the Lord, because it shows what the Lord wants. It shows what's important to him and how he makes his choices we see God's personality in the kind of leadership choices that God makes. And at the beginning of this chapter, in the very first verse, there's a key phrase for understanding what will be distinctive about David's relationship with God and his leadership for the rest of his life and his ministry. Because in the first verse of this chapter, God tells Samuel about Jesse's family. I have provided for myself a king among his sons. For myself. 
Let's take note of this phrase because it seems that God is using this phrase to tell Samuel and us something about his choices. In fact, this phrase in relation to God choosing David has already occurred before in an earlier chapter. In chapter 13, Samuel says to Saul the devastating news that someone else has been chosen as king. For the Lord has sought out for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has appointed him as ruler over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. And once again, in verse 3 of chapter 16, God says to Samuel, you shall anoint for me the one I named to you. Three times in the space of three chapters, God has made it clear that he is choosing David as king over his people. God is making his choice specifically for himself. Why does God say this phrase? What's this intended to teach Samuel and now us? Well, I think this links right back to the teaching that Phil brought to us on the character and the nature of the Trinity a few weeks ago. It's God's great desire to draw each one of us into that incredible, dynamic and loving relationship that is the life of the Father and the Son and the Spirit all together. God uses the phrase, for myself. I've sought a man or a woman for myself because that's what's most important to him. Our interaction and our life with him. He longs to be with us. He longs to walk with us. And he wants this before anything else. It seems that in this life, this is our first calling to be loved by him, to be with him, and to love him in relationship. It's more important to him than all the furious activity linked to our calling, of our careers, of our family lives, of our incredibly busy everyday lives. It's what we were created for. And in our closeness with him, he wants to be the first in our lives. He wants to be the center point from which everything else that we do, we say, and we think emanates. David understood that he was called first and foremost for the Lord. He was a king for the Lord's pleasure.
And it's this potential that God had seen in the heart of David, the simple shepherd boy who had a heart that went after God. And yet, as we see from this account, David was almost invisible amongst his family and his people. So much so that when possibly the most important man in the nation, the national prophet, priest and judge, Samuel arrived in his town and consecrated his family to attend an important sacrifice, he was pushed to the side left tending the sheep. And it's here that we see God teaching Samuel and us another principle that God is often found working in the invisible, most unexpected places because he sees people very differently than we do. God tells Samuel that he is to anoint one of the sons of Jesse. And as Eliab, the oldest and possibly the most impressive, stands before Samuel, he declares, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But as all the sons present pass before him, Samuel hears God utter a principle that cuts right through the culture of the time and everything that the culture of our day screams at us, perhaps now more than ever before. God says simply, don't look at his appearance or the height of his stature because I've rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And at this moment, when God chooses David for himself as the new king, it's because David was a man after God's own heart. We know that God has seen the potential in David's wholehearted response to God, even though he was invisible to everybody else. And this is what God is looking for in leaders, men and women that are serious about seeking him out before coming up with plans and strategies. People who are called to spend time on their knees in prayer before him, loving him, listening to what he wants for his people. And it's not just leaders, it's every one of us. God wants us to know him so much better than most of us do. He created and called humanity, you and me, for himself. 
Well, the practical question remains then, if that's all true, and if God has made us and called us for himself, and he's jealous for our heart response to him before anything else, how do we partner with him to grow that kind of relationship where he comes first in everything? And here I'm going to make two really groundbreaking suggestions. Well, not groundbreaking, really. And the first is, let's ask him. Let's ask God. Let's spend time asking God how to grow in our relationship with him. Ask him to lead us and to speak to us, to show us more of his character. And let's decide to persevere in the asking and not give up. And the second idea is to get with others that are really seeking to grow in their relationship with God. We were never meant to do life alone. We've been put together as the family of God to encourage one another, to pray for and with one another, to lift each other up and to share in this dynamic life of the Trinity together. Well, as for my experience with the love of God, from a very unexpected source. I was visiting a very different style of Anglican church as part of the discerning process. And before I'd even entered the building, I was feeling alone, lonely and unsure about my future. No one was aware of this. And at a point in the service where we all gathered around the large font at the back of the church, as we were standing there, suddenly a very elderly and frail looking black lady next to me unexpectedly reached out and put her hand on my shoulder. Well, I reacted by looking down to check that she'd not lost her balance or forgotten her stick. And then as I looked up into her eyes and she gave me the most beautiful, knowing smile. At that moment, I was totally enveloped in the presence and the love and reassurance of God, so much that it took my breath away. I stood there, choking back tears, but knowing that this incredible old lady had a heart after God's own heart and had shared his heart with me. But to the world, she would have seemed invisible. Today, will you respond to this God who's called you for himself? Because he loves you. And will you be wholehearted 
in your pursuit of him in return.